0: I was talking to my good friend, uh, Jerry Vines, last night. We became close friends. In the 70s, he was pastor at Dolphin Way, and I was pastor at Cottage Hill. And we became dear, dear friends, and we talk at least two or three times a week. And I said, well, I guess you're preaching somewhere tomorrow. And he said, yeah. And he told me where, or told me he was preaching. And I said, well, I'm still working on my message. He said, well, what are you going to preach on? I said, I'm going to preach on the fifth chapter of Mark. Now, you've got to understand, he, is, he studies all the time, and he's a real brilliant Bible scholar. He said, oh, Mark chapter 5, that's the chapter of the impossibles. That's the chapter of the helpless and the hopeless. He said, there was a man there, and you remember the man, I'm going to read this in a minute, who was in the tombs, screaming, cutting himself, being tormented, nobody can tame him. He had a, a demon of, of, of an unclean spirit. And Jerry, Jerry said, today, they would think he needed a psychiatrist. I said, okay. And he said, and then there was the woman who was following the crowd to go into Jer- Hill, Jerry his daughter. And she had, for 12 years, she had had a blood disease. And she'd gone to every doctor she could go to. And she said, well, I've spent it all and I'm not any better she said he needed a, she needed a specialist. She needed a blood specialist. And then, of course, there was Jairus' daughter. The Jairus came to Jesus and said, My daughter is lying at the point of death. On the way over there, he said, uh, over, over, over to Jairus' house where Jesus was going to raise the little girl up, uh, uh, that's when the woman had the issue of blood touched the garment of Jesus. Well, when Jesus got over there, there was a tumult and confusion and, and they were all upset, and they said, they thought that Jerry's, they said Jerry's daughter's dead. She's dead. And, and said, but they didn't realize that she didn't need an undertaker, because she was fixing to have an encounter with the upper taker. Now, I thought that was pretty good. I mean, I, I give him credit, but I'm sorry to do it. But anyway, I, I want us to look at this chapter. I'm telling you, it is the chapter of the impossible and the hopeless, I'm telling you. There, there are three people in this chapter. There's a man, there's a woman, and there's a 12-year-old girl. And in every situation, their case humanly was hopeless. And they were helpless in their circumstances, and they were desperate. I mean, they See, when when you're helpless and you sense a feeling of hopelessness, then it doesn't, you don't have to, somebody doesn't have to say you need to get serious. In their condition, they were desperate people. Let's look at this man. You know, the Bible describes him. uh, I just want, want to read Matthew 5, 1 through 5. And he'll just give us a little picture of him. It'll be on the screen. Now, when they came to the other side of the sea, the country of the Gadarenes, and when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him, a man, out of the tombs, with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the the tombs, oh, no one could bind him, not even with chains." Because he'd often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him, and always, listen to this, this is sad, day and night, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. Boy, that's, a, that's an awful picture. You know, and Jesus, when he saw Jesus, you know, for some reason, of course, the demon, and it happened to be many demons in him, they knew who Jesus was. And so I want you to look at what it says in verse 6. When he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshiped him. So this man ran. And I, I, the demons inside of him were tormenting him uh, day and night. But he ran to Jesus. And he cried out with a loud voice, verse 7, What have I do to, to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? You know, there are a lot of people in America who don't know Jesus who Jesus is. The demons know who Jesus is. <laughs> well, they knew. What have I to do with you, Jesus, the Son of the Most High God? Wow. I implore you by God that you do not torment me. But Jesus said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then he asked him what is your name? And he answered, My name is Legion, for we are many. So that's a story of a man. I don't know how long he'd been in the tombs. I don't know how long he'd been cutting himself. I don't know how long he'd been tormented. I don't know how long he'd been crying out day and night, but it'd been a great while. And really, they, they even tried to shack, put chains on him and maybe take him somewhere. I don't know, but he broke the chains. and People tried to talk to him and tame him, and they couldn't do it. He just it was there day and night, crying out and cutting himself with stones. I want to ask you a question this man had an unclean spirit. And there were other demonic spirits that attached themselves to that unclean spirit. And so when Jesus asked him, well, what is your name? He said, Legion, for we are many. Now in the Bible, there's just a couple of times that it talks about anybody being demon possessed. Now we've heard that and there have there, been movies, most of which were absolutely ridiculous, that tried to show an exorcism or the, of the casting out of a demon and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and there is a such thing as demon possession. But it's only used twice in the Bible. But it's, the word there is demonized. Now, there were many, many people in Jesus' day that were demonized. And Jesus not only healed the sick, But you'll notice as you follow him that he not only healed the sick, but everywhere he went, he cast out demons. And these were people who were were oppressed by demonic spirits, and he he cast them out. And so this was the case of this man. Now, I want to say this to you. He was not born that way. Uh Uh-uh. He was not born with an unclean spirit. Now, he was born with a sinful nature like we all are. But he was not born with an unclean spirit. But however, somewhere along the way, this man allowed a demon to come and actually possess him. So he couldn't say, I'm, I was born this way. No. Somewhere along the way, he gave a place to the devil. He gave him an entrance into his life. Now, over in one of the epistles, it's writing to believers, and it says, neither give place to the devil. See, so a, a Christian could never have a demon spirit inside of him or her, never, because they can't live in the same place as the Holy Spirit. But they can be oppressed. They can be demonized. And so this man obviously was lost. Somewhere along the way, he had opened his life to an unclean spirit, and he brought others with him. And I'm going to tell you something. His case was humanly impossible. He was a helpless man, and he was desperate. You say, Brother Fred, let me ask you a question. And this is a serious question. And I can't answer it in in, in complete totality. I just can't do that. But I'm going to answer as well as I can. How do people invite demon spirits into their life. How do they do that? Well, I'm going to mention about four things. And there are other ways. But one of the most obvious ways, well, not the most obvious, but that I know is a reality, is they enter into the psychic world. You see, what they do is they seek to get in touch with the spiritual world and by the way, that's a real world. And in the spiritual world, there is the Spirit of God. And the spiritual world, there are holy angels. But in the spiritual world, there are demonic spirits and unholy angels. And so these people, when they enter into, try to enter into the supernatural world to know the future or to, 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 to make contact with, quote, unquote, the dead. It's called the, the psychic world. Uh, they go to, they call the psychic lines. They go see a fortune teller. They uh, play with the Ouija board. And all of this is an attempt to know the future. Attempt to make contact with the spirit world. And when they go to the fortune teller or the psychic or the Ouija board or they get, play these video games that's all about witchcraft and all that kind of stuff, and it just seems like, well, that's just a game. Oh, no, 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 no. It's not just a game. And so one way people invite the spirit, unclean spirits or demonic spirits to oppress them or if they're lost sometimes possess them is through the psychic world. And I've talked to many people who seem to be demonized. And one of the first things I ask them, have you ever been to a fortune teller? Have you ever talked to a psychic? Have you ever tried to reach the spirit world through a Ouija board? And if they say yes, then you know already they've opened the door to a demonic spirit. So I don't know how this demonic spirit got in this man in the tombs, but I know he was helpless. He was hopeless and he was desperate. You know another way? And this is really going to disturb some of you. But I'm telling you, I know I'll bank my life on it. That's true. One way a demonic spirit gets into, into a person's life or begins, becomes attached to a person's life is through sorcery. Now, you know, that, that sounds like sorcery. Now, what is sor- a sorcerer? What is sorcery? Well, it's simple. You know what it is. I've told you over and over again. The Greek word from which we get the the, the English word sorcery is the word pharmakia. Pharmakia, from which we get the English word pharmacy. So a sorcerer is a person who uses drugs. They use drugs. And, And what happens is this. Now you need to understand me carefully. You've got a mind, emotions, and a will. A mind, emotions, and will. God will not violate your mind. God will not violate your emotions. God will not force your will. God will speak to your mind by His Holy Spirit. He will, de- he will speak to your emotions by His Holy Spirit, and He'll speak to your will. But He will not force you. However, when a person is a sorcerer, when they become a user of drugs, what they do is they turn, they alter their mind. Now their mind, they're not in control of their mind. Their mind is controlled by the drug that goes into their body. And their emotions are controlled by the drug that goes into their body. And the will is controlled by the drug that goes in their body. Now, if God's not controlling your mind, but if by drugs You've been, your mind's been altered. Your emotions have been altered. Your will has been altered. Guess what? You just opened the door and the demon goes right in and says, now you're not in control. So I'll take control. Doesn't it trouble you sometimes the horrible things that people do when they get way out on drugs? I I don't remember the person's name. I'm not trying to say the the way the officer handled it was right or wrong, but I remember the young man going to South Alabama who had taken some drug, I don't know what it was, and he just went crazy. He just took his clothes off and was threatening and screaming and coming toward that officer and totally, totally out of control. I don't, I don't know why the officer shot him. I guess he felt like this guy was going to try to get, but, but that's beside the point. Why in the world would a, a young man that seemingly had been normal, why all of a sudden would he get naked and start screaming and threaten people and coming toward, why would he do that? Hey, when you're not in control, <laughs> the enemy takes control. Do you realize that 80% of the people that are in prison today are there because they were using alcohol or drugs? 80%. You go back and trust their history. A lot of it, sometimes it's family background. But I guarantee you, you take out of prison all people who committed crimes who were under the influence of alcohol or drugs, and you'd empty about 80% of our prisons. You know why? Because when they are not in control of their mind. The enemy takes control of your mind. So by psychic or trying to touch the the unseen world or by the use of drugs, another way is... um, when you, 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 you have a sin in your life and you continue to practice it and continue to practice it, it begins with a thought, it leads to a choice, it leads to an act, it leads to a habit, and then it becomes a stronghold. It didn't start off as a stronghold. It began with a thought, led to a choice, led to an act, became a habit, and became a stronghold. And so therefore one day you realize, well, I, I, I can't quit doing that. I said I was never going to do it again, but I can't quit. You know, it's a place of repeated failure, repeated failure. It could be a lost person, but you know a Christian. A Christian could let, that could happen to him. And And it ends up that he's got an area of repeated failure. Blasphemy is another way. When people begin to blaspheme God and blaspheme the Word of God, they cross a line. They cross the line. And it's just like they open themselves up. to to, uh, And by the way, now, folks, don't don't kid yourself. Don't don't believe what philosophy or psychology would tell you. The spirit world is real. It is real. And thank God for the holy angels. And thank God for the Holy Spirit. And and thank God for the wonderful. But I'll tell you, there's a dark world out there. And I am telling you, and, and the disciples came back when they'd gone out and they said to Jesus, even the demons are subject to us in your name. So here was a man who had an unclean spirit and his only hope was Jesus. He was desperate. He was desperate. And in verses 27 and, and uh, no, he was desperate. And, and he just, uh, uh, in verse 19, uh, he became a witness of the power of Jesus. Jesus delivered him. Look at what it says uh uh, look in verse 19, it says, he, he wanted to follow Jesus. He wanted to follow him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and marvel." Jesus commanded the unclean spirit to come out, and then he commanded legion to come out. And you know the rest of the story. I, I'm not a theologian, so I ain't going to try to explain it. The demon said, well, don't, don't cast us out of it. Make us leave this country. So Jesus told them to enter into the pigs. Remember, it's 2,000 pigs. And the demon spirits went into the pigs, and they all ran down the cliff and drowned. Don't ask me, well, what theologically does that mean? I ain't got a clue. If you figure it out, let me know. But all I know is they inhabited the pigs and they destroyed them. Isn't that interesting? But I'll tell you one thing I love. This is one of my favorite verses. I'm trying to see um, where it is. And I I love to answer people this way. It says, um, uh, so those in the city, it says, when they came to Jesus, this is verse 15. When they came to Jesus, And saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. You know, this guy had been cutting himself, creaming, tormenting. Jesus cast the demons out, and he was sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. That's what Jesus does for you. People ask me, how are you doing? I said, I'm clothed and in my right mind. That's a good thing. <laughs> Sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed, and in my right mind, because if I wasn't at the feet of Jesus, I wouldn't be in my right mind. So here was a man that had entered a dark, dark spiritual world, but Jesus Christ set him free. And I want to, here's the message today: the only person that can set you free is Jesus Christ. They can't psycho- psychoanalyze it out of you. <laughs> I'm telling you, they they can't philosophize it out of you. Only Jesus has the power over the devil. And he has given that power to his children. We're seated with him in heavenly places. And every principality and power and all the rulers of the darkness of this world are under his feet. And so therefore he has authority over them. And we have the authority of Jesus. But let's move on to the lady. I think all of us who are older can relate to her. She spent all her time going to the doctor. <laughs> I tell you, you can tell you're getting old when your next thing on your calendar is your doctor's appointment. You know them by first name. But you know, she was desperate. If you read in verses 22, 25 and 26, I want you to listen to what it says about this lady. She, it says, Now a certain woman. Had a flow of blood for twelve years. And had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better and grew worse. Wow. Man, that that, that rings so true to so many people. Twelve years. She'd been hemorrhaging. She went to every doctor she knew, and I thank God for doctors, and I love them, and I thank God for them. But they weren't able to help her. And after spending all her money and going to every physician, she was worse. I guess she said, well, I just guess I'm going to die. I just guess I'm going to die. Then she heard about Jesus was close by. And Jesus was on the way to Jerry's house where the 12-year-old girl was. And so she got into the crowd and began to follow Jesus Alright, it says in verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, she came behind Him in the crowd and touched His garment. For she said, if only I may touch His clothes, I will be made well. Now, you're talking about faith. Here's a woman that had tried every doctor and everything and every remedy and, and, and she was desperate and she was hopeless. And, and all of a sudden, there was this crowd. And she said, who's, who's, what's this crowd all about? It's Jesus is in the crowd. Well, where are they going? They're going over to Jairus. His daughter's dead. And Jesus, they ask, ask, uh, Jairus asked him to come and lay hands on him, And she said, man, you, you know, uh, if I could just get to Jesus. And if I, don't, I, I, don't have to, I don't have to say a thing to him. If I can just get to him. And and I can touch the hem of his long robe. She said, I I believe I could be well. He's the only hope I (laughs) got. I'm desperate. And and said, man, when you're desperate, you do what you have to do. So she fought her way through the crowd. And, you know, when you're in a crowd of people and you start pushing them to get in front of them, they can get kind of rude. You know that, don't you? But so, so she, she. i but what in the world am I hanging up on? You know, I'm gonna throw it over there. But anyway, she, um, she just pushed away, and said, "What are you doing?" She said, "Excuse me, I don't mean to, but I've got to get to Jesus up there." Well, we want to go with him too. We want to get close. And boy, she just. She would not let her circumstances, she would not let a crowd. She was determined. When when you're desperate, you do what you have to do. That's what you do. You're not passive, you're desperate. And finally, she got close enough to Jesus. How do you think she touched his garment? You you know, I, I was thinking, I said, maybe she got about two feet from him. And she just lunged. And her hand touched the garment of the Son of God. And the power of Jesus flowed out of him into that woman. And it tells us in this chapter that immediately, immediately she was healed. It says in verse 30, it says in verse 29, immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed. Of her affliction. When you're desperate and you don't have to have a mountain move, you don't have to have a mountain of faith. You got enough faith to go to Jesus. You know, you just say, Well, I tell you what, nobody else can help me and I can't help myself. This is helpless. And you, get, you just got to say, Well, I'm going to Jesus with it. I'm going to Jesus with it. That's where I'm going. Well, the devil will try everywhere in the world to stop you. I said, He won't help. That's just, you don't believe that stuff. Oh, come on. You know, God heals other people. He ain't going to heal you. Come on. You know, and, and, and the devil just lies. He lies. He lies. But I tell you what, when you're desperate, you don't let anything stop you. And she touched his garment and she was healed. And Jesus knew it. He said, and in verse 30, and a, a Jesus immediately knew that in himself, that power had gone out of him. And turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? And the disciples said, my goodness, how do we know in this crowd who touched you? There's no way we know who touched you. And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. And the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing that what had happened to her, came, this is verse 33, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. She said, now this is what Jesus stopped in the crowd and she said... Well, I'm going to tell you, Jesus, I've been fighting hemorrhaging for 12 years. I'd seen every physician I could see, and I ran out of money, and I was helpless and hopeless and only thinking I was going to wait to die. But then I heard about you, and I heard about you being going away to Jairus's house, and I got in the crowd, and I fought my way through the crowd. And I lunged and I touched your garment. And boy, I want to tell you what Jesus said to her. He said, he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. You know, desperate people and helpless people, they act on their desperation And they get to Jesus any way they can. It is amazing that this man, even though the demonic spirits were controlling him, when he saw Jesus, he ran and fell at his feet and worshipped him. He evidently had enough control left in his body that he could get to Jesus. And by the way, that was his last stop. If he hadn't got to Jesus, it was over. And this woman... I think she would have bled to death. I think she was terminal. But she got to Jesus. Her desperation refused to let her give up. And Jesus said, daughter, your faith, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. Well, we get to the last one. We see the story of the man. That's a picture of those who are not, who are out of control and could be demon op- oppressed, demon oppressed or demon possessed. Maybe have strongholds in their life that are in the grips because there's demon oppression. But then we see a woman who's so much like many of us that, you know, we've done all we know to do and things get worse. And we don't get any hope. And we don't, we don't say it out loud, but we lay in her bed and say, well, I guess it's helpless. I guess it's helpless. I don't guess I'll ever get any better. I guess I'll just go ahead and die. And then all of a sudden, the Spirit of God, somebody's praying for you. Somebody's praying for you. And and, and the Spirit of God begins to minister to you. And say, but wait a minute. Wait a minute. Jesus is alive. He has all power in heaven and on earth. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hey, listen. As long as you've got breath in your body, you can cry out to Jesus. You can cry out. And, and if you're desperate, you keep crying out. Like Bartimaeus, they told him to be quiet. And the more they told him to be quiet because he was blind and wanted to be healed, the more he cried out. But you know, in the case of Jairus' daughter, I want to show you what Jairus said. It's in verse um, 22 of Mark 5. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came One of the rulers of the synagogue synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at Jesus' feet and begged him earnestly. Boy, this was a desperate father. Man, it's one thing when you get sick, but it's another thing when your child is dying. My heavenly days. It says, and he begged him earnestly, saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed. And she will live. And Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him. So, here was a man who came in behalf of another. It was a desperate father who came in behalf of his 12 year old girl. Well, uh, in verse 35, Jesus gets close to the house, and look what happens. And while he was still speaking, from, from. Some came from the ruler of the synagogue. This is verse 35. And while Jesus was still speaking about the woman, while he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house and said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the the, the master? Why trouble the uh, uh, teacher any further? It's over. You know, you know what the devil will say to you? breaks my heart. You'll be in a situation and the devil's a liar. He's an accuser. He steals, kills, and destroys. And you're in a place and he'll say to you, it's over. It's over. It's not over as long as you have breath in your body. It's not as over as long as Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. It's not all over as long as the Holy Spirit of God moves to and fro across this earth, ministering the power of Jesus. But they they they, they just said, "Well, it's just, you're just wasting your time." Let's go on and read it in the next few verses. Uh, and so they told him it was over. And uh, and look what Jesus said. And this is a verse for you now, whether you the man or the woman. Or the, or the father of the child, that this verse is for you. Would you underline it and memorize it and pray about it all week, let it get in your spirit and don't let the devil snatch it out. Look what he said, as soon as Jesus heard the, the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. What part of that do I not understand? The devil is a fearmonger. He loved to speak fear in your heart. But Jesus said to him, that daddy, he said, let me tell you something. Don't you be afraid. Only believe. Only believe. All things are possible. Only believe. Do we not need that at times in our life? Man, fear comes over us. And we just say, I don't know if I'm going to make it or not. And then somehow the love of God and the presence of Jesus, the Holy Spirit says, listen, don't be afraid. 300 times in the Bible it says, fear not. You know, that's 300, over 300 times. Fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. He tells us, he said, don't be afraid. And so he said that to Jairus, his, uh, to Jairus and I want you to notice then he, in verse 38, uh, he says, then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. And when he came in, he said, why, make you, why are you making such a commotion and, and, and why are you making such a commotion here? He said, the child is not dead but asleep. And they ridiculed him. Boy, I tell you, you know, the enemy loves to try to discourage you any way he can. Jesus said, she's not what he was saying. Her spirit had not left her body. Physically, she was dead. But her spirit had not left her body. You know, people who have these, quote, after supposedly after death experiences, I'm not saying that they don't experience things that are real in the spiritual world. But their spirit has not left their body. Because if they were, they would be dead. They would be. But I think their spirit still was there. But God let them go into that world to realize. And it was just a matter of their spirit taking back over their life again. But anyway, he said, he said to, to them, she's not dead. She's asleep. They ridiculed him. And when he put them outside, he took the father. He, he, by the way, he put those unbelievers outside. He said, I don't want you messing this thing up. And when he had put them outside, he took the father and the mother, verse 40, and the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was laying. This is a beautiful picture. I think I've seen a painting of this. Seems like in my mind. This was a 12-year-old girl. Then he took the child by the hand, and said to her, Talitha, Kumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, rise. Little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose, verse 42, and walked, for she was 12 years old. And they were overcome with amazement. (laughs) And Jesus is so sensitive, he commanded them not strictly not to go out and say all that was done. And he said, now y'all give her something to eat. She's hungry. Isn't that amazing? He just raised her from the dead. And he, he said, now she's hungry. Y'all need to give her something to eat. See, her spirit was still there. But her body was, that there was no life. There was no life. And physically she was dead. But all Jesus did was just speak to the spirit and said, little girl, arise. That's a story, a true story all of these were not parables. These were these are actual occurrences in the life of Jesus. I think that of all the ones that was perhaps the one that amazed me the most. I, I'm I'm amazed at what happened to the man clothed in his right mind and followed Jesus, and whenever we bragging about him, and I'm amazed at a woman who was hemorrhaging to death was well, and Jesus said, "Go on and live." But this 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 is a, this is something. This 12-year-old girl. I wonder how she talked about it as she grew up. I wonder what her testimony was. <laughs> now her dad had tell had to tell her a lot about it. About, you know, soon she was 14, soon she was 16, soon she was 18, soon she was twenty. I won't tell you something. Are you listening to me? She never got over what Jesus did for her. She never got over what Jesus did for her. All right. Now can I put you and I in her place? Here we were, spiritually dead, without God, without life, without hope oh yeah i mean we talk about and you has he made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sin dead but jesus came and he touched us and you you cried out to lord to jesus lord jesus be merciful to me a sinner god be merciful to me a sinner I'm spiritually dead. I have no life. I'm separated from God. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Lord Jesus, would you come into my life and give me life. He said, I've come that you might have life, and you might have it more abundantly. And so what it was, Jesus came to us. Someone was probably praying for us. Somebody was calling our name to the Lord. Jairus went to Jesus on behalf of his daughter. So somebody was going to God on your behalf and praying for you and crying out for you. And Jesus heard, and the Holy, Holy God heard their cry, and the Spirit of God spoke to your heart. And Jesus, and you said, Lord, I believe I believe, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ when you repented of your sins and and he he touched you and he brought life into you where there was death. You became spiritually alive. You began to live in in a good spiritual world and you were a new creation in Christ. And let me tell you something. You never get over it. You may got saved when you was 10, but you're still talking about it when you're 12. And you're still talking about when you're 18. Or you may have gotten saved when you was 40. But you know you're still talking about it when you're 50. See, when somebody raises you from the dead, you never quit talking about it. Jesus raised me and you from the dead. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. And one day in response to repentance and faith, he said, young man, arise. Young woman, arise. Older man, arise. Older woman, arise. And you have life. And you'll never get over it, I trust. And you'll always talk about it. And you'll always give God the glory. You know, in one chapter, Jesus talked about three helpless, hopeless, impossible people. And all three came out different. And they found hope and they found help in the only person where there's eternal hope and eternal help. And that's Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what he's done for others, he can do for you. Are you the man, the woman, or the child? We all like the child.